0: Ladies and gentlemen, are you ready for goodnight? Ladies and gentlemen, Banal of America Audio, with your host, Tim Banal. No commercials, no subscription, no network. Oh, I messed up my own intro. Jesus. Damn you, coronavirus. No commercials, no subscriptions, no network, no rules, and at the end of the day, no comparison. And I look forward to the day when there's no more, uh, no more coronavirus, but until then... We're continuing our conversation here with Dr. Tyler John with a special report number three, our third special report, third episode here uh, over the course of the last three Fridays. Uh, and when I first sat down with Dr. John two weeks ago tonight, uh, there were 1,200 of these cases here in the United States. Um, we were kind of looking out over the horizon wondering what was going to come. And I asked Tyler, well, what do you think is going to happen and he said, "In uh, you know, by next week, there could be ten. he predicted essentially, next week there'll be 10,000 cases, uh, and in two weeks there'll be 100,000 cases, and hoped that he was wrong. Well, here we are two weeks later, uh, and he was not wrong. According to Johns Hopkins, uh, as of right now, United States is at uh, 103,942 cases. I've seen other, it's getting so crazy now, folks, that you can't even get a straight Number necessarily. There's a bunch of different trackers online. There's I use also Worldometer, um, but they seem a little ragtag. But a lot of people do use them as a reference, uh, and they have it at 103. And another one I'm looking at here has 105. But suffice it to say, uh we're over 100,000. We've gone from 1,200 two weeks ago tonight to 103,000 cases uh we did it we're number one in the world usa we are now the epicenter of the uh of the crisis we've beaten out italy uh and china as the president likes to call it uh although we'll get into this about the whole chinese thing because part of me wonders if we're not getting a straight answer to all that but i've already talked to welcome back to the show again my just unending thanks to you dr coach john tyler for uh for doing this with me, I really appreciate it, man, and uh, welcome back. Another Friday night, uh, you know, talking coronavirus, buddy. Who would have thought we'd be spending our the month of March together like this, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, this this is March madness, uh, but uh, glad to be here. Thanks for inviting me.
0: I guess, I mean, I don't want to put the cart in front of the horse in a sense, but, like, so, you know, we started out at 1,200, and he said, 10,000, that became, like, 15,000, and now we're at 100,000. I mean, I my brain, I can't fathom the possibility, even though it's gone up incrementally in increments of 10, like, I can't fathom the possibility that there would be, actually be, like, a million cases here uh, next week. Uh, I just don't, I don't know. Something. I, 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 I'm hoping that this 10-point... 10, 10 um, increase 10 times each week it will at least slow down uh, between this and next week just by the sheer volume of numbers it's not the exponential growth um you know is it that powerful what do you think i mean it's hard to really fathom where the hell we go from here we've reached the top of uh, of uh, the mountain so we have nothing else to really reference it against
1: well, uh, one thing to keep in mind is that uh, we still have a sampling artifact in that we haven't had enough tests to really sort of cover what's gone for us. So we're still catching up. And there's, there's going to be leaps because of uh, people who are still getting tests run through the system. The other thing that to keep in mind is that uh, we can't really figure out where we exactly are on the uh, curve, the exponential curve, because of mm-hmm. that sampling artifact. Uh, the other, other thing, there's a, uh, yet there's more, is that there are a lot of cases that uh, are being basically people are being told, don't come to the emergency room if you're not really seriously ill. And that's solid advice. But what that means is that a lot of people are not being tested yet. So the scope of yeah. this thing has yet to be fully plumbed. Uh, if you want to make, take that even further, uh, minor cases, perhaps fully asymptomatic cases, they, they may number in the million, uh, millions already, Tim. We, we just don't know what yeah. that sea of, of um, infected people is really like. And that'll, that'll only clarify with time. So it's bad. going to get worse, at least for a while.
0: Right. Um, and as we stressed last week... Uh, it's the... Just because there's 100,000 cases right now doesn't mean... It, I mean, I guess what the point I'm trying to make is, like, there was 15,000 last week, there's 100,000 now. That doesn't mean this thing is, like, spreading, necessarily. It is spreading, but it doesn't necessarily mean, like, uh... It's hard to kind of crystallize into words, but it's like, we're just we're just finding out about the shit that was already there. It's not necessarily like it's like it's emerging out of a, a, a new, although in some places it is exactly now.
1: Yes, you're exactly on target. Good job.
0: Um, and and as morose as this sounds, you know, like you were saying, the 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 number there, the hundred thousand plus, is kind of becoming now so unwieldy, so sort of like. Vague in a sense by being so huge, and there's other people that are probably out there who have it, and uh, they're saying not even to bother come in unless you're really sick and everything else like that. It's like the the really morose part of this is like, you know, by next week we we may, and it probably is the case now, but it's like we may need to be focusing on the number of deaths at this point because the number of actual cases is so hard to fathom anyway. That at least, <laughs> at least, uh, you know, as sick and sad as it sounds, like at least we can be sure about the people who are dying. That's about the only se- yes. the only certainty we, we have at this point. And hospitalized, yes. of course, but they, you don't you don't see as much coverage of like the hospitalization
1: numbers. I'm not sure that that those numbers are uh, necessarily freely available. Uh, it may yeah. actually be reported differently hospital to hospital. Uh, Deaths you know, those are notifiable. And so, like, the Social Security Administration is notified right away. So there may be some lag, but I think you're absolutely right again that uh, now the important thing is uh, seriously ill you know, patients, are, you know, accommodating them, caring for them, and deaths and trying to prevent them. And, and you can see that uh, has already registered in some locations. Uh, Governor Cuomo, for example, just to pick one, yeah. is very concerned about how many ventilators. We're going to need ventilators. And so what they anticipate is, in very short order, uh, extreme need for ventilators uh, to uh, salvage patients. Even with the ventilators, you, people have to understand that's the last ditch. And a lot of people put on ventilators don't make it. Uh, and many of them that do come out with uh, other problems. So uh, it, it's better than nothing. It, it may enable uh, lives to be saved, but uh, it's looking pretty, uh, pretty grim right
0: now yeah yeah and the worrisome part is as i've said to other people trying to explain this it's kind of like we won't know we won't it's like it's like we're on a roller coaster right now and it's like right now we're just climbing up the up the slope and it's like we won't know you know you know that infamous curve we won't know when we've made it to the top of the curve until, like, you know, a few – we'll need some time to uh, – a uh, perspective until we realize, oh, we're at the top of the curve. Now, like, you and I may look back in a couple of weeks and go, oh, it turns out, you know, when we did that show on March 27th, we were actually just, like, a couple of days away from when the curve crested. And, you know, uh, but we yeah. – but we may be talking, like, in two weeks going, where the fuck is this crest? Where is the crest of this wave? You know, like we don't we don't have any idea, and a lot of people are really worried about that trajectory that we're on because it's a, apparently a very steep incline.
1: Yes, and I think uh, the the real um, problems, the, the real surge in hospitalizations, is is just about to hit New York, and so maybe in a couple of weeks, uh, with social distancing and, and strict control measures, maybe we will have a sense that locally. Uh, you know, they've crested. But the other thing to keep in mind is that you've got, what, five epicenters now in the U.S.? New Orleans, Chicago, Washington, California, um, you know, all these places, are gonna they're going to come due. And and they're all going to hit at slightly different times. This is another thing right. that, that uh, Governor Cuomo was talking about is, you know, uh, right now we need the ventilators. Uh, and when we don't, we'll start pricing those out to to other locations. Uh, there's a logic to that i don't know if, if there'll be enough time to manage that but that's kind of what you do is you, you swap stuff around and and uh you know cover what you have to cover and, and move on like the circus you know you move on so it's it's going to be a long haul tim it's going to be a long haul
0: yeah it's uh it's getting it's getting intense man it's getting really intense uh you know, you can kind of see. I think we we talked a little bit about this sort of last week, where I said, you know, when this gets to be even bigger, people are going to start to panic, and you're you're kind of seeing it. It's just it, the, the whole fucking country seems to be like simmering. It's like this. It's like it's ready to boil over between people who are who are agitated, and uh, you know, there's still a lot of people who are really skeptical about all this. So they're getting all fucking agitated because they're out of work or they're stuck at home and they don't believe in all this, um, you know. And then there are the people who are taking this seriously, like us, who are equally perturbed by what's going on. Uh, and it's just, it's just, uh, it's a powder keg. It really, it really <laughs> is. It's a powder keg right now, and uh, you know that may be more frightening in a sense than the than the virus itself. You know, I've talked to people, they're like, "Oh, don't worry, you worry too much about this." It's like, "I'm not so worried about getting sick, bro. I'm worried about like society collapsing over this." Which is uh which may sound like all this doomsday shit, but it's like uh, I've never seen the world quite this this fucked up, man. This is this is pretty this is pretty <laughs> bad.
1: It it is uh interesting. Uh, one thing you can, can do is maybe look where uh, other places like Italy have been hit hard, but they haven't dissolved. And, and I'm not trying to minimize the problems. You know, when they've had 500-plus deaths per day and, and people having trouble getting folks carted away to uh, morgues or whatnot, it's very serious. But basically, society is still held together. So, you know, we'll just try to be optimistic. Uh, Barricade yourself in your in your in your basement or wherever you are, uh, and we won't disclose that location. Um, uh,
0: yeah, we can't have but, people showing yeah. up at my house yeah yeah well the it,
1: it is cut uh, it, it is interesting to see that uh, there is such an air of unreality about this, uh, and that a lot of people are having trouble uh, feeling that it's real. Uh, it it right. is something you can't see until uh, really or understand until it's really too late, until a family member has become ill, until someone, God forbid, that you know has died. That might get people really uh, going on. Uh, and what I worry about is you know, they'll start uh, really demanding super harsh measures everywhere, and maybe that's not necessarily what we want to do because you can shut down things so bad that we can't ship goods and products around the country where we need them. You know, so if they're harvesting, and they are right now harvesting stuff in Yuma, uh, you know, fresh uh, produce, uh, we need to be able to to move that around. If you clamp everything down, it won't be able to move. And and then we'll really uh, be, you know, having some uh, huge difficulties. So, uh, you know, balance is always key. Uh, and you hope that people get the message, but uh, obviously some haven't. I mean, I can see those behaviors here, uh, and it's quite striking.
0: Now, I wanted to make sure I got to this question because I, I missed it last week. Uh, Adam go rightly who's a longtime friend of the show and a fan and uh dear, dear friend of me, and I know you've hung around with him here on the Twitter and, and shit, uh, He was he mentioned a guy who went to – Disney World, I think, or Disneyland, um, and he came back and he died of it. And he was, and he was sort of wondering, I guess, like, is, is there – can you get, like, worse coronavirus by being around a bunch of people that have it? You know, so it's like he says, just wondering if you get the virus from multiple people, does it speed things up and make it more dangerous? Or is it just a matter of, like, once you get it, it doesn't really matter. You can't get more coronavirus. Is that, so, I guess I was wondering, hey. can, it be, can it be worse?
1: It's, uh, that's uh, actually a very uh, reasonable, logical question. Uh, We talk about infectious doses with some of these agents, and uh, they kind of have a threshold where the body will fight them, um, and a lot of times uh, in win. uh, in particular if if the dose is low. But I think what he's referring to, if you just get a wickedly high dose, could you move up the incubation period and have the disease faster? Yes. That, that is definitely a, a possibility. Will it be more severe? I doubt it. I doubt it, I think it'll come on faster, that you'll be seriously ill faster, but I don't think the, the ultimate endpoint will be uh, any more severe. Uh, and, and the reason this is because the virus, it still gets in in very, very tiny quantities and it's got to multiply and, and start doing it. So it, it spends a lot of time ramping up. You can just help it ramp up faster. That's a that's a good question.
0: Yeah, well there you go, Adam. Uh, that yeah, well, I, I I was you like, what,
1: I, never to do. Remember the that? the movie you guys have where you guys are cooks in a trailer? Yeah. Yeah. Don't accept food from the Go Rightly food wagon. Probably live a long life. <laughs> <ride. laughs>
0: I assume food wagons are doing are having a hard time. There's so many people that are having a hard time. It's uh, it really, yeah, I mean, I think it'll become more impactful on people as this gets more personal for them. Like, uh, uh, I, I don't want to get too deep into it, but just for, for privacy I have reasons. But a friend of mine was tested. So now like, I think a lot of people out there don't even know people who have been tested for this. A friend of mine was tested for it. Luckily... Uh, it came back that that he did not have the coronavirus, but it's like, you know, it kind of creeps into your mind where it's like, okay, this is how it begins. First, you know, like, one person that's been tested. The next thing you know, a bunch of people. The next thing, then, then you'll hear about the person you know that has it, and you just hope that it doesn't get much closer to your family and your household. It's like, yes, it's, it's
1: yeah.
0: unnerving, you know?
1: It, it is. And it I really
0: used is. to, I a lot of people know I used to work retail, back when I was cutting my teeth and trying to make it in this world, uh, and found out today that all my friends who still were working for the place all got laid off today. So, oh. you know, they're all, you know, probably, presumably, with the, the promise of being brought back, but who who the hell knows how long that could be and, and what we'll kind of shape the company will be in down the line, you know? Some of these big retail chains were already on teetering before all this happened.
1: This is very hard. And I can see where people, uh, particularly if, if they feel like this is all not that serious, it's, it's you know all a hoax or whatnot. Uh, if you're, as many people do, living off that paycheck, th- this is a very serious thing. And uh, yeah. really, really nerve wracking. For someone to, to have no, no source of income and, and have you need to pay for food, as I understand it, you know, uh, you need to pay rent, all these things. I'm hoping that the, the package that Congress launched will uh, manage to help people stay afloat. But it, it, this is bad news. And retail in particular is a place, uh, you know, food services, whatever, uh, you know, where people come into contact with the public. Those are not high-risk jobs, and people aren't being paid a whole lot to take on that risk.
0: Yeah. Uh, And also, Jim Vujovic was asking me, and I mentioned this to you today before the show. Where do I have Jim's message? He was asking, and I had heard this as well, about ibuprofen. He's seeing... News about ibuprofen making the virus stronger, but also conflicting reports. So, w- what do you know about this uh, this ibuprofen aspect of of the of the of the virus?
1: Okay, first first thing is we need to remind people that not, we are not qualified to actually give any yes. medical actionable medical advice. But yes, uh, yes, yes. I uh, forgot
0: our I forgot our uh, I, forgot, <laughs> I forgot our disclaimer. Do not listen to us. For medical advice, folks, uh, we're only offering opinions. Uh, Tyler, a learned response. Mine, a less learned response based on what I read online. And I haven't read anything about this, so I don't have any input. But uh, Tyler has at least looked into it. But do not rely on us for any medical advice or else you'll wind up possibly eating fish tank cleaner or whatever the fuck <laughs> <laughs> the people, the people who... <laughs> who just I shouldn't laugh, but yeah, the people no. who are who no. who are just following any there are all kinds of people doing stupid shit. It's not just those those people in Arizona who listen to the president of all people, but it's uh you know it's all kinds of people thinking that that you know if you hop on one foot for a week straight, you can't get it or some shit. It's like, oh Jesus, people fucking just listen to the listen to the professionals, but in lieu of those people, uh, what do you know about this? this whole uh, ibuprofen thing.
1: Okay, well, uh, one thing that you want to do is if you've been directed by your physician to avoid uh, Tylenol, acetaminophen, or ibuprofen or whatever, you know, contact that person and, and ask them for guidance and say, what should I do if I get uh, the, the infection? Uh, because some people can't take some of these drugs, whether it's aspirin, Tylenol, acetaminophen, or ibuprofen, Advil, uh, it's not for everybody, and, and some people have to be very careful. What I've seen is the situation, as is true with everything with this virus, is very much in flux. It's not known. It's not clear yet. It will clarify as more cases come through. But the logic, the rationale is that ibuprofen is an anti-inflammatory agent. And if you uh, have inflammation, uh, you want it to be kept at a, a level. But it can be important for these processes to go to help you fight this virus. And if you tamp them down too much, it may simply be allowing the virus to replicate better and faster. So ibuprofen in principle might end up kind of fueling the virus fire, but it is not clear. It, it is not known, it is not an absolute fact. So. Uh, if you're really concerned and, and have limitations, you're, you're going to have to get to your health care provider, WebMD, someplace you can trust for actual real advice, and, and check that out. Uh, in general, I, I think hospitals typically recommend uh, for uh, uh, bringing fever down and pain, uh, Tylenol, acetaminophen, on the average. Okay? But there are people that can't have that. And so, uh, you know, if you've got kidney problems, liver problems, you know, there are certain drugs that they they prefer over others. And and that's where the guidance of an actual medical professional will be very helpful. But anyway, yeah, the the idea about ibuprofen and anti-inflammation treatments uh, causing some possible problems is is one of those ideas that's very solid. It's a solid hypothesis. We just right now have to kind of learn by experience. So can't say yes, can't say no. Uh, Drinking stuff meant to clean your aquarium however really bad idea for sure, yeah,
0: yeah, and a bunch of other things too it's uh it's pretty wild it's like uh if there was something that they know would f- would fix it folks believe me they like they would be all over it uh well, anyone anyone thinking like- there's some miracle cure is is uh well, they're just. I think they're scared and desperate. Let's be. Let's be. Yes. Kind to absolutely. those folks, You know.
1: And so maybe, maybe, maybe we'll be really lucky, in one of these treatments, uh, like remdesivir, or uh, maybe the chloroquine plus uh, azithromycin, myosin, sometimes called ZPAC, maybe that will help. Uh, and what Dr. Fauci is, is talking about is uh, testing them, testing them in a way that we we really can see if they help or don't, and then going forward. You know, before we rec- you know, recommend anybody even use them, because again, these drugs are not for everybody. You, you know, they, they all have potential side effects. They all have limitations. We have to be aware of that. But hopefully, somewhere, you know, we'll be lucky and somebody will pull something out of the closet that really helps. I haven't seen it yet, yeah. but maybe tomorrow.
0: Yeah. Well, one of the really weird things about a lot of this too is. Uh... Like, there's still we're still finding out stuff about this virus that is completely, like, mind blowing in a way. Like this week, it came out that now apparently not having a sense of taste or smell is part of the symptoms. Where it's like you and I were, we've been talking about this for three weeks now, and it's like it's it's like two weeks ago we had no we had no idea that that was even on the radar of what people should be looking for. And now it's like, now it's considered a telltale sign. And it's like, what the fuck? (laughs) You know, that's pretty, that's just weird.
1: And it's amazing that um, people even picked up on this. But um, the other thing is, is if true, and remember this is one of those things that we are talking about anecdotal evidence, although aggregated, you know, we're, we're learning uh, this could be really important for people who aren't really seriously ill yet but recognize, oh, I really need to stay home now. I can't go out because right. I could be incubating this. So it could end up being that little simple observation could be a major breakthrough in breaking the chain of transmission of this agent, which is the only thing we can do now You know, is, yeah. is stop the next person from getting infected.
0: It's didn't. I think we were also talking about people saying they had, like, red eyes, and you and you speculated that maybe that might be, you know, one way it could be getting into the body, possibly. They always say, we talked about this from the very beginning, the don't touch your face thing. It was like your mouth and the eyes yes. is what you don't really want to be touching because those yes. are gateways.
1: Yeah, <sighs> take a look at uh, on television where they show the pictures of uh, people providing care In the ICUs, uh, emergency rooms, they have a face mask, a face shield, because a tiny drop into the eye, uh, and we know some agents, some of these um, airborne viruses like measles will get you right through the eyes. And then, you know, the local irritation uh, might be a sign that that's, that's what happened. But remember, also keep in mind, a lot of other agents, common cold agents can do that too. So it's not like, oh, my God. You know, the, the scarlet letter mark, that's it. Not quite. That, that's one of the problems. Right, right. Thing. It, it's, it's hard to figure out.
0: Now, do we know if they've made any headway on the, on the test to find out if you had it? Because I, I think there's a lot of talk about how that's going to be key to turning a corner here as far as, as sort of getting a handle on what the hell we're dealing with here. You know, because they say if you yeah. already had it, you're probably immune. You could go back to work. It's like, but we don't necessarily know. You know, no one has. You know, talk about like the Scarlet Letter. It's like no one has the stamp of approval yet, which is chilling. Because I've even heard talk of like, well, we're going to have to issue cards to people who who are okay and now and are all right to, uh, you know, function in society because they've already had the the virus. You can already see this creepy. Dystopian world here, where it's like, all right, well, you know, you've got the stamp on your license, so you're allowed to come into this venue or whatever. It's like, oh Jesus, yeah. this is going to be a, a haves and haves, not world here for a few for a year or so, possibly, um, while we're all sort of worried about the, uh, the, the 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 fifth column that is the virus.
1: A good way to put it. Actually, you're way ahead of me because I hadn't thought of that sort of like visible sign that this person is safe kind of thing. But uh, what I saw today, uh, and again, I have not been able to uh, confirm this, but I think in the United Kingdom, there's talk about uh, a fast antibody test, which is what you're really uh, talking about. And, yes, the, the scientific community is very interested in this in order to uh, better trace and understand the scope of this disease, to maybe help in preventative methods, but also identify people who are now at zero risk, uh, we hope. And we think that if you've gotten infected with the coronavirus, you should at least have solid immunity for a while. We, we will hope that it's lifelong, but some of these agents are pretty elusive. Anyway, back to your original question. I saw a report where there's going to be a rapid test, a blood, uh, basically a finger stick test, so it's a serum test, for antibodies, uh, and perhaps even sold over Amazon once they, they get approvals, which would be uh, very interesting. And as it happens, when we, we test for a lot of these viruses, uh, the ones that cause encephalitis, if you've heard of West Nile virus and Zika, remember Zika? Yeah. Zika they did with a, a PCR test because they had to know exactly and for sure at the moment was that the Zika virus. But West Nile and a lot of the uh, arboviruses spread by uh, mosquitoes, for example, uh, we use, it's called IgM uh, ELISA or MAC, M antibody capture ELISA. And ELISA stands for enzyme-linked immunosorbent assay. All that really is is a very clever way to ask, does the patient have antibodies that recognize parts of this specific virus? And they can do them very, very quickly. The weak point is that it takes time for antibody responses to build up. And so what they classically do is use this for retrospective studies and say, okay, you were, you were feeling unwell. Two or three weeks later, let's, te- let's test your antibodies, and that will tell us what's going on. It's called convalescent. Uh, testing once you've recovered. The Macalisa, the IgM antibodies come up fast. And so, in a matter of days, we could, we could see, like, oh, yeah, the patient is mounting a response. They're probably infected with this agent. They're a pretty useful tests. Uh, and for, for agents that don't build up high levels of virus that you can catch easily, uh, find easily with your tests. The IGM assay, although it has some weaknesses, is is overall one of the best. I don't think they'll use the IGM, so it'll take at least two weeks after the event. Uh, But, again, I don't know quite what they're doing. But to have a rapid test, like finger stick format, that would be tremendous. But they've got to be evaluated. These tests have to work. You know, they have to give you accurate results, and that's, that's what they'll be working on now, like gangbusters. So it's coming, Tim. It's coming.
0: Yeah. Well, it's clear, you know, not necessarily us in a sense, but it's clear that there are some parts of the federal response, uh, you know, they, they they were woefully caught off guard or they woefully underestimated this because if there's one theme of everything that's happened so far, it's just like that were, we're like fucking – two weeks to a month behind on everything. At first it was, we need more tests, more tests, more tests. And then, then it was like, now we need more PPE. And that's been sort of the theme. for the, Now it's becoming, we need more ventilators. So, and, and, you know, I don't want to be that guy, folks. But next it's going to be, we need more places to put the fucking bodies. Um, yeah. that, that seems yeah. to be the trajectory we're on.
1: Well, I, I, the thing that you have to keep in mind is that with, uh, a, a pandemic, with, particularly like this, with a totally new agent, you start out behind the curve. Okay? So, right, right. And that exactly, agent yeah. is it's on the loose. It's ahead of you at day one. When you realize it, when you first go, like, well, that's that's odd. Why do all these people fall sick all of a sudden? We have compounded errors by being uh, slow to react, slow to accept. Uh, at first, people hoped that what we had now was the analog of SARS, where if you controlled the really severe cases, you were a long way towards vanquishing the infection. This is not like SARS. And so we we, we lost that little bet, and, uh, and we've been consistently sort of uh, slow walking our response, in my opinion. but. I'm not aware of all the factors involved that these, you know, the decision makers face, but I've been very disappointed at how uh, slow a, a lot of the uh, people in, sh- in charge of our welfare have been on the uptake.
0: Yeah, it's uh, well, as we talked about last week, it's it's a lot of the problems in America seem to be coalescing around this whole thing now where there's a lot of tribalism political tribalism that's getting in the way of of us really uniting and tackling this as a country it seems so which is disappointing
1: it's, it's it is disappointing and and it's actually dangerous in that uh you would hope that people would say okay i i i hate everything you stand for i can't you know stomach any of your policies but right now Let's roll up our sleeves and kill this thing before it gets us. And, and so I'm not seeing a whole lot of that. Uh, maybe it's better, you know, in, in the back rooms when they talk about it. I, I don't know. I've just been very disappointed. Yeah. And that, that rancor, that failure to come together, that schism, as you call it, may end up being deadly, unfortunately. So
0: um, there we are. Yeah, yeah. It's worrisome. It's kind of uh, it, – it's – I remember last week we talked about how this whole thing about, like, calling it the Chinese virus was just a distraction and everything. And it felt like this week, the distraction of the week was, like, this insane idea that everything would be okay and back to normal by April 12th. Um that became this weird, like – this weird, like, national debate. Oh, uh, should we uh, – you know – I mean there are people who are like well let's just let's just roll the dice and if 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 a lot I mean there were legitimately people being like well, the older people should sacrifice themselves for uh, for the younger generation it's like what the fuck man like I said before like this is getting increasingly dystopian where it's like <laughs> It's I'm like happy, now, it's now we're funny. legit just being like, okay, well, we have to cut our losses here, and if a million people die, that's just the way it's going to have to be. So, uh, you know, because because two million might die because of the depression. It's like we're really at a really fucked up point here, dude.
1: Uh, the only thing I would argue is, and again, not making light of people who have lost their jobs, understanding no, that's a no, no, no. real problem. And we definitely will at some point have to decide when do we come back? You know, when do we release the, the controls? This, this will be a challenge, but we do want that to be as soon as possible. The thing that you have to kind of look at it this, this way or you can envision it this way is that you just grabbed the rattlesnake right before it struck you, and now you're trying to strangle it. Best not to relax your grip until you're sure that sucker's dead. And that's where we are now. We want to get this really under control and not have a rebound. It's going to be very challenging because we might break the chain here, get the number of of cases down really low, and then initiate commerce, international commerce, and have it re-imported. And all it takes is a spark. We have a lot of susceptible people. This yeah. would be an immense challenge. It, it really will. I don't have any personal feeling that April 12th is going to work for the country as a whole. I, I just don't, based on how things are going now. Uh, but I think there's that some people are saying the right thing. Let's let this be data-driven. When we get there, let's see what's going on. But we, to, to say, oh, yeah, we're going to do it now, we're going to move it up, um, probably not. But I think it would be fine to say we are anxious to do this as soon as possible. We just don't want to do it too soon. or We're going to have to be right back where we were. You know, uh, all that effort gone for naught.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Like, to me, uh, and again, we try not to get political on the show. I think people know how we feel. And it's like, to me, I can't think of a more fucking asinine idea than – not only, okay, well, let's just, let's just all go back to normal on April 12th, regardless of, you know, let's just, that's what we're going to do. And then it's like, let's flood the churches. It's like, why the fuck, dude, we're trying to keep people away from each other, man. Like, like, like encouraging everybody to go to church on April 12th for Easter Sunday is like, that's, that's just, this is like asinine, dude. Like, you can slowly, yeah. we can slowly sort of, you know, like Cuomo says, you know, slowly start to loosen the valve but you don't want to fucking crank it back the other way. It's like, like that's, completely, that's crazy.
1: It, uh, you're absolutely right, again, that, um, yes, that would possibly be a wonderful way to reignite the fire, is having people gather together uh, as much as we would like to see that happen. It is probably very ill-advised, uh, you know, particularly at that date. Uh, and so I, I, I just don't know. Uh, again, maybe, you know, in a week we'll come out and, uh, and the epidemiologists will say, yeah, we can, we can probably get away with it or we should start now. Uh, I'll believe that one when we see it. Uh, right. But if we, one mistake here, and, and a lot of work's gone away. And, you know, instead of a, a month off the job, it's going to be three months if we're not careful, you know, because we, we right, get the right. job done.
0: Well, that's the frustrating. There's sort of two elements to that too, where it's like people. I mean, I understand it. Like people in in the South or whatever, not necessarily New Orleans, which is getting hit really hard, but like people, you know, in other parts of the country uh, where they don't have, you know, you look at the map of America on the Johns Hopkins site, and it's like there's there's a lot of empty space there, uh, in the especially like in the West, you know. Uh, there's still, I heard, of like a weird click. No, there. Okay, good. All right. Dylan. Um, so you know, it's it looks like it's really bad on the, and I'm sure it's by population distribution. It's like really bad, like to the west of the Mississippi, and then to the east, aside from the Pacific Coast and uh, Denver area, and a ha, and a handful of I think Vegas area too. Uh, you know, there's a lot of empty spaces. So you can see how there's people there who are probably like, oh, it's you know. It it, it it it's it doesn't match their version of reality where they are, but it's like they in a lot of those places. The worrisome part is if you're in like I don't even know what what the biggest city Casper, right? If you're in Casper, Wyoming, um, they don't have the kind of capacity to treat people that New York City does. So you yes. can't afford to have a a super outbreak in a city like that, or or in in I don't know, you know, whatever Boise. Or, or, or up in North Dakota, you know what I'm saying? It's like, if you live out in the middle of nowhere and you get this and you're, and it's bad, you're cooked pretty much.
1: You know, uh, in general, what you've said is very true of everywhere now, Tim, the the way that we run our hospital systems is that they don't have a whole lot of excess capacity because in normal times, it doesn't make economic sense to maintain that. and so we have run lean and mean with the hospitals and this is what people were concerned about is that you won't have surge capacity. and so you can see even in New York and Boston where, where they're just having a hell of a time. this is the way that that we run things. Uh, I mean you know I mean there are economic reasons for this there, there's a reality here uh, and so now we're going to pay for it. But I, I agree that when you're out there in, in some places, it doesn't look that bad. You don't see that many cases. Uh, they're probably on the way. Uh, and it could be that there's a randomness to this as well, and it depends on where people traveled around. Um, yeah. But I I can tell you that people at my place of work, medical school, a week, uh, maybe two weeks ago, maybe a little bit longer, lost track of time now, Uh they were going to Las Vegas and I looked at them and said, no, you're not serious. Are you?
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) I thought, okay. Okay. These are people that should, should be able to understand that there weren't very many cases in Las Vegas, but if you had just to pick on one spot, you have people coming in from all over all the time there. That's where you're really going to have a chance of exposure. And, and, you know, there's a, as we've said before, There's a strong element of unreality here. You know, it doesn't appear real. And so a lot of people, it's just going to be something they have to experience for real. Yeah. Anyway, I think you're right, though, that, yeah, you don't want to get this in some parts of the country because you won't have any support. You're either going to live or not, one or the other. Now, remember, most patients don't require hospitalization. Those that do Not everyone is going to require an intensive care bed and not everybody is going to require a ventilator. It's a pyramid. But if if you do, there really isn't anything else that will help you. And so to maximize your chances of survival, you want the hospital to be well-equipped, well-staffed. We're going to run these people, our medical professionals, to exhaustion. Perhaps get a lot of them sick, you know, and so the whole system could end up just kind of really coming off the wheel. We pray that doesn't happen. Yeah.
0: Um, Yeah, now we should encourage, I don't know if we'll hear from our callers last week, but we'll encourage people to call in uh, because if they have questions or anything, uh, the number is 646-378-1868. You know, we, we can try and answer any questions the best we can. We've been trying to, I've been trying to follow this story as closely as I can but it's you know much like the virus itself it's like growing exponentially to the point where it's hard to even know what what covid-19 news you
1: sh-
0: is even worth uh <laughs> following up on in a sense it's like there's just so much we information
1: had, out there We had one good question last week about are there two different types of the of the basically the covid virus out there one severe one not and uh Right right I was going to mention that Steve Ray Steve asked. Yeah, that that was that was a good question, and and so it turns out that just like everything else, we don't know. Uh, But I I checked it out, and uh, it does seem that uh, some people are are investigating this particular possibility. We know these viruses mutate. It doesn't seem that the the really nasty COVID one has a really high rate of mutation. But um, again. Uh, two forms uh that's something that that we will maybe clarify as we do antibody tests and more surveillance uh it, it will become clear we, we will figure that out, but I couldn't find anybody that had a a definitive like oh yeah there there's definitely two I'd put that on the, the the uh sort of the level now of a, a viable hypothesis that will uh, clarify uh, we hope in the near term but um
0: so right, strange right.
1: things. These, you know, the viruses are are kind of known. We talked about, you know, there were four in humans, but because the common cold is benign, transitory, and self-limited, we really don't pay much attention to them. Uh, but we live in a sea of viruses, and our annual animals, companion animals, and others are are full of them. And so there's a lot of stuff out there. that's going to be new to us, and unfortunately, this is one that's. It's really important for us to know, and, and we're up against the limits of our knowledge. Everybody can see that now.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's like we're still trying to figure. Like I said earlier, it's like we didn't know any, we, we didn't know anything even about this. Uh, you know, we didn't even know anything about the the thing that the people couldn't smell. What would cause that anyway? What would cause the you to not to lose your lack of your sense of smell and taste?
1: Oh, these guys are, they they like to replicate in the upper respiratory mucosa, so the nasal mucosa, and they're probably doing a fair amount of damage to the uh, epithelium. That's where, when you see them take the test and they stick that swab way up in there, the virus is accessible. The virus-infected tissue is very accessible. And so I'm going to imagine that it ends up getting into some of the the olfactory uh, sensation nerves and messing them up real good, too. And uh, who knows how far it tracks uh, into, uh, yeah. into your brain, because that's a direct channel. Olfactory nerves are a direct channel into your brain. And uh, I haven't heard any uh, reports of dementia. The only thing that, that I've heard with patients, uh, it sounds more like um, as they begin to die, basically, of uh, de- pneumonia in the final stages, uh, they become very combative, and they have to tie them down because they're delirious. Uh, they're gasping for breath. You know, they're, they're doing everything they can, but I don't think that's a, a direct attack on the brain so much as it is, is as the body struggling to get air and you know trying to pull yeah. tubes out and everything that is perceived as uh, limiting their ability to breathe. You know, this is this is at the, probably the end stages for a lot of patients or at least a very serious stage. Well, yeah, it uh, it certainly comports with uh, how the the virus works. Um, and that's one, one break that we have you want to think of it is that because it, it starts on the the respiratory mucosa, we can we can sample it with a swab. We don't have to like dig down into the lung, you know, get lavage samples or whatever. Uh, we can we can get to it and and see it at certain times in the infection. There's there's a point where you won't be able to find it anymore and we'd have to then we'd rely on antibody tests. Normally. Uh, we don't have them yet for this guy. Um,
0: yeah, Steve also, he just sent me a message He also I don't, we, we haven't done the follow-up On this, Steve He also wants to know about transmission via farts So uh, we'll, we'll wait for more scientific Study to be done on that well, one
1: Human ingenuity Has no bounds And I can honestly exactly, tell you, yes. That is one that I never Would have come up with <laughs> So <laughs> is He's very nice concerned about dealing.
0: transmission via farts, so
1: who knows? <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, if you want to start to worry, is that uh, some of the coronavirus, uh, SARS anyway, were in fact spread uh, through fecal matter. And, uh, and so one of the things that happened in uh, at least one instance in Taiwan, I think it was, if memory serving me right now, is that there was an entire apartment building it got hit because of uh, problems basically with the plumbing and uh, and drains not having water in it. and so uh, it kind of vaporized through the building. And so uh, yeah, I mean you have to this is wash your hands and, and but in restrooms you know, uh, we need to be especially careful because uh, if it and I, I don't know but this is the fact if infectious virus is secreted, uh, as uh, say a consequence of uh, restroom use, we have nature's most perfect aerosol creating device in restrooms. It's called a toilet, and so we could, you know, maybe that's one way to to get this. So I guess everybody go outside, do your business, you know.
0: Wow, I see what you're saying. Yeah,
1: I know, I know. You know maybe well, I that maybe to to that to toilet paper rub was
0: like prescient. We didn't realize till till now. <laughs>
1: yeah. A whole source of information that we didn't have. Anyway, that's a that's a unique perspective. And once again, we can't say, oh no.
0: I right? Yeah, it. we can't be like, oh, that's that's silly. Um, now, what's interesting, what's sort of confounding, and I kind of think this is the case, but maybe you can elaborate on on this. Uh, if you look at a lot of these trackers, um. A lot of places like I'm looking at Worldometer right now, and it's I guess it's pretty reputable. I see a lot of people citing it. I'm also looking at BNO, but the the point I'm trying to make here is if you look at these counters, right? Like for the United States, it, this one has 105,000 cases, uh, 2,000 recovered. Like the recovery number is way is like infinitesimally smaller than the than the actual number of cases. Like France, they have 32,000 cases, they have four, about 5,000 recovered. Is it, is it just an instance where, like, we're too busy right now dealing with the people who have this to go back right now and document the people who are recovered? So, like, in a month or two – because, like, if you look at the China one, they have 80,000-something 8, 8, cases, and then that says they have, like, 74,000 recovered. It's like, so I guess once you're kind of through the through the three-week period or whatever, you can start ticking some of these people and move them over to the recovered Uh, thing, but but they don't have time to do the follow-up and documentation of these necessarily right now.
1: They actually, as people are discharged from the hospital, they have those numbers. Uh, I don't know why they're uh, necessarily lagging, but if you want to get way ahead of this, way ahead of the outbreak, uh, you could probably uh, count on the recovered being 90%. Uh, However, the, the caveat is, we don't exactly know what the universe is here. This hospitalized patients that I think in China, it might be total cases that were uh, documented or diagnosed, and then we don't know how many of them required hospitalization, how many required ICU, all that stuff. So we're going to have to yeah. see a detailed breakdown by category before we understand what happened, but I, I think what they're saying is for the hospitalized patients, the ones who were pretty severe, uh, 2,000 recovered. That's where we are today. And so we expect okay. those numbers to grow. Uh, but it's yeah, really just yeah, a difficulty should. with the It's a difficulty yeah, with the data. So, go, go, go ahead. ahead. Yeah. yeah, I think so. Uh, I, I think so. Assuming we understand what's being reported there, uh, the other thing to keep in mind is we're dealing with a very live situation, very fluid situation. Do you remember back in the day when people were being day traders and so they, they'd sit in front of their computer screen, and they bet on the trend of the market you know, as to what to, to move money for. And you know what killed a lot of them? What's that? The reports that they saw were not actually in real time. There was a lag. And so this guy is sitting in, in his home, in his kitchen in Poughkeepsie, trying to beat the market based on, you know, it's ticking up now. I'm going to get rid of this or buy that was already behind the curve that the, the people with the actual computerized systems had already traded on that. That trend was over yeah. by the time he saw it. Same idea here. We're, you know, we're counting on people to post instantly. And, and We're not even sure exactly what those those numbers are. So we, we do our best, uh, you know, but take them as kind of rough estimates. And then we have to ask questions just like you did. So what do you mean by recovered? What was the total universe here? You know, how many patients – total were there you know, before we can really get an idea of how good that is or how bad that is
0: we gotta spread this stuff around let's put it on the internet you're listening to banal of america audio
1: great heavens what kind of radio show is this
0: now another thing that i see a lot of talk about this past week um and i try not to like i uh you know we, we discussed this a bit at the end of last week's show where it's just like the time The time to sort of, like, take a look at China's role in all this is for down the line. Um, But I'm rightfully seeing a lot of uh, suspicion, or I guess, yeah, the suspicion is justified, let's say, in my mind, even though I'm trying to avoid uh, getting wrapped up in in sort of this this, this sort of conflict-minded mentality, uh, that something is amiss over there in China where they – because like their numbers have pretty much kind of petered out over the last two weeks, and a lot of people are like, "Well, see, see, everything, you know, that they, they, you know, they're the example of of how this could be okay?" and blah blah blah. But I'm seeing a lot of people express a lot of skepticism about this that that maybe once once this thing blew up, China was like, "Oh shit," and then they were like, "All right, we need to make it look like we're <laughs> that we figured all this out because you know people knew how really how bad it is here." Uh, you know this would be exponentially worse, and like it's already uh, a complete disaster. Uh, and this like talk—I don't know if you saw this. This is very conspiratorial stuff, but I've seen it in places. And Steve Ray just mentioned it to me and reminded me that like apparently twenty million uh, people like went off the grid in China. Like somehow they have some means of tracking the number of cell phones in use in China, and like twenty million people just vanished off the off the cell phone grid over there and which is which is ties into sort of the suspicion people have that this is really way worse over there and they're making it look like oh no no we just had one little problem here in Wuhan and now it's it, now we've we've gotten a handle on the situation like for all we like we don't like for all we know it could have decimated Beijing or something like that you would think that news would get out and And we'd know about it, like you would think that if twenty million people died in China, we would know it, so that's the part that kind of makes me like roll my eyes, but at the same time, it's like you know i couldn't how would I know <laughs> i would, you know I gotta go by what i'm told and and that's you know uh, and discern and do my best to discern. The, the veracity of the sources—that's the best I can do. I'm not over there in China, so I'm not privy to the conversations in in the Chinese government. So who knows? But I mean, what's what's your take on this? Uh, you know, it's beyond sort of medicine, more in the conspiratorial realm. But we've we've dabbled in that over the over the last few weeks. So I mean, what's your what's your take on that whole thing, especially the idea—not necessarily the the extreme conspiracy theory of the 20 million people, but feel free to speak to that. But also just the idea that they're that they're fudging the numbers now, uh, you know, as the world realizes how bad this is.
1: Well, actually, you've hit on some stuff that's really important, conspiracy theory linked or not. It's really important for us to understand what what the conditions were, what what transpired. And you actually said something that I, I encourage everybody to do, and that is when you see these reports, because we're dependent on others to tell us what's going on, you have to sort of judge the veracity of the reporter as best you can. And so maybe there are people that you've learned, you know, uh, they may, everybody can make an error. Anybody can make an error. But in general, it's not because this person has an agenda so you feel like you can trust somebody. The Chinese response to SARS in 2002 was very disappointing in, in that it's pretty clear that they tried to cover that up. You can understand why. Bad for business. I think this year, this time, there's some there's some evidence that suggests that they weren't very forthcoming. And if you remember, I think we mentioned this specifically. The ophthalmologist who recognized something was wrong, and he right, began to right. talk about it, and he was he was silenced. Well, you know, unfortunately, he ended up dying. But yeah, I, there's a little dispute will, that
0: they completely that they completely dropped the ball at the beginning of this. Outbreak.
1: Um, I guess the
0: the the question now is like, okay, are they still are they still being underhanded as far as what they're telling the world?
1: That's an excellent question, and one that uh, we will not be able to personally resolve. But I think uh, maybe one day uh, we will understand what happened. Uh, yeah. They may have been a little uh, less than forthcoming. Let's just put it that way. At first. Um, there were some uh, – I don't even know how to properly characterize this. I think that the WHO had offered to send the team to sort of help, give suggestions, and there were some arguments about whether they could accept that or where they could go. Part of that may have dealt with national security issues, but those things don't help. Uh, resolve. And, and, you know, it's possible that with a shoe on the other foot and it was the United States, we might have resisted, too, on a, a national security basis. I, I just don't know. But all these things give you pause. The thing that, that catches our eye is uh, they have uh, apparently stopped the domestic transmission of an agent that is very hard to track. That's remarkable. Remarkable. Now, yeah. I know that their methods were much more harsh than ours, that they, uh, they would identify people, they would take them, you know, once they had a positive case, they would take them away from their families because what they were worried about is that it would spread within the family unit, which is a viable worry. Take them to a treatment center and keep them there for two weeks. That will help immensely. But uh, I just don't know, Tim. I, I look at that and I go, oh, my God, you know, if 80% of the cases or a large percentage of the cases are asymptomatic, how can you really have shut this off? And and the other problem that they have now is if that be the case, uh, then importation of new cases from outside is another worry. Because it's like sparks flying onto your roof, you know, eventually one of them's going to take off. Uh, so yeah. I don't. I don't know. I look at that and I go, "Wow, that's that's incredible that uh, they had that kind of success." Um, The thing that you know caught my eye is they show the air pollution maps. Have you seen that of China?
0: I've seen, yeah, I've seen sort of stories about how this is like, uh, yeah, how the air pollution's gone down considerably, like all over the world. I've seen things about how like there's. The, there's animals in the canals of Venice for the first time in, like, decades because no one's using them. Uh, how there's this weird sort of, like, wildlife. It's like that TV show. They made a TV show this, about this, like, after yeah. humans. Yeah, uh, and, yeah, and it, it, was, it, it was like this. It was like the wild animals are coming out of out of the wilderness now and sort of roaming around, you know, roaming around urban environments and shit because there's nobody there. It's like, well, yeah. this is really... Wild, no pun intended.
1: Well, one of the things that, that caught my conspiracy-addled mind is uh, the air pollution map in China. And, uh, you know, Wuhan, the, the province of Hubei, uh, I understood those places were locked down tight. Right. But if you take a look, virtually the whole country isn't having air pollution. They, they did shelter in place or something. Man, they really shut down. A big part of the nation, if not the whole nation, and probably yeah. restricted internal travel. So, pretty incredible, pretty incredible level. Uh, well, it, this it, goes, it, goes it back to. Starting. Yeah,
0: well, this goes back to uh, what we've been talking about on this show. I mean, I'd have to go back and listen to the first episode, but I know for sure the second episode last week. It was like, I fully expected a national. Lockdown. Like, there's part of me that's just like, if you had just, like, if they had just instituted a national lockdown when you and I first talked two weeks ago, like, a two week national lockdown two weeks ago, like, I still feel like it's going to happen eventually, and it's going to be like, oh, now, oh, so now we're going to have a two week lockdown, like, in the middle of fucking April when there are thousands of people dying every day? Like, it's too late now, dude. Uh, I, you know, I'm very frustrated with that because, like, they should have just done a national lockdown. Uh, you know, right from the get go, you know I guess they didn't I, and it's like the whole thing is like, oh we don't want to panic the markets, dude, the fucking market has crashed <laughs> like there's, <laughs> there's no you know so you didn't do it, and the market still crashed, so now you should have just done it, should they should've just had a national lockdown
1: it's uh it's It's a very delicate balancing act uh w- what I like though is that we can usually rest assured that the needs of Wall Street will be taken care of, okay. Yeah, uh, the rest of us, whatever. Good luck. But your your point's a, an interesting one. Is uh, the way that that we do things in terms of public health in the United States is very much a piecemeal approach, and you can already see that. Each state, each governor has certain controls, and it's not right. really. And now, again, I'm not a legal scholar. Maybe one of our listeners knows more about this. Uh, I don't know that you know President Trump could order. Uh, everybody to to lock down. I think what he would have to do is say uh, these are our guidelines. This is what we think needs to be done. And we turn it over to you, to the governors and to the local public health boards to enact these in terms of a a health order uh, sort of lockdown shelter in place nationally. There may be some authorities to stop and restrict interstate commerce, you know, shut down the interstates, shut down the airports and that sort of thing. But state to state, I think those, the major players are governors and uh, local health authorities. And this is one of the it's, – it's, it's a strength and weakness at the same time uh, of the system, is that you can have a variety of approaches and, and different ideas uh, tailored, basically, to the needs there. That, that's a net strength, usually. Uh, but yeah. the, the downside is that you can have a cacophony of voices and approaches and, and just tear your hair out. Just like you're saying is that my God, we need this place shut down and it's, you know, it's not happening. Yeah. And so that's the frustration. I, I don't know. You know, it's, it's um, I'm with you that I think that um, a well thought out, Hey, let's break the chain. Um, there is a, a person who writes in New York Times, his name named McNeil and he uh, sort of wrote a long article last week, like 5,000 words in the New York Times, about uh, all we really need to do is um, stay away from everybody for two weeks and that will break the back of this epidemic. That may be a little yeah. optimistic, and, I, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing him, so I hope he doesn't yeah. object to the way I said that. But those sorts of things, you know, a little pain now might have big gains. and just like you're saying, you get behind the exponential curve, you're really going to wish you weren't there because this will outrun you so fast. People are going to learn a little bit of math here, and it ain't pretty.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, people are getting a gruesome understanding of exponential math now, and uh, it's it's unpleasant, man. It really is. I mean, uh, it says here there were 400 deaths today. So we've gone from like uh, – you know there were there were 19,000 new cases today so, so last week we were talking about how there were 15,000 total and just today there were more than how many there were total last week so it's yeah it's uh Double. it's really really troubling man and i i got frustrated with people who uh i mean you you still got the you've still i i, I, I just I'm irritated, I guess, with people who just can't accept sort of, like, the reality of the situation we're dealing with, regardless of whether or not they believe in the underlying threat, if that makes any sense. It's like, if you're still out there talking about how this isn't as bad as the flu and shit, it's like, you're just being obstructionist now. Like, like what, I don't understand why, like, people need to just get, to understand that, like, people are taking this seriously, whether you think it's serious or not. And adapt to that fucking reality instead of stomping your feet and going, oh, you're all being crazy. This is dumb. This is dumb. It's like, well, <laughs> this is, you know, it's a runaway train now at this point. your best just to accept the reality that you're dealing with and try and ad- adapt to it because you can't put yeah. the genie back in the bottle. The economy's already uh, been crushed by this. And, and, and you know, panic has, has fully engulfed the nation, essentially.
1: And more to come. So uh, do you remember we were we were wondering last week, uh, I think it was last week, about the the news out of Russia. And we were kind of puzzled. Yeah, about yeah. That. I was
0: going to bring that up. Uh, yeah. What's what's going yeah. on over in Russia? Would we know any more?
1: Well, it seems that that more cases are cropping up and there's more indications of concern uh, of, amongst the authorities that uh, they need to get ahead of this, that they they have had some importations, and uh, I think at least one instance uh, in Moscow was actually tracked back to Chinese uh, tourists. But my understanding is that uh, Russia pretty heavily clamped down on the entry of uh, through the, the borders of China uh, pretty fast. Uh, and we were wondering, like, well, maybe you know, tourism's low, so maybe it's true that they don't have – it looks like it, it has, in fact, reached there and uh, maybe a little slower, the cadence may be slower. Uh, and perhaps, th- this will be a very interesting test case. Perhaps if they do a, a nationwide two-week lockdown or whatever, they can break it. You know, it-, it just depends yeah. on where they are. I, I seriously doubt that um, they have the ability to do that easily. But if it's only a few hundred cases, uh, you know, their their primary um, goal here now may be to try to find those, contact trace those, and isolate those, and try to just squelch this thing, uh, rather than um, doing what we're doing, which is basically a mitigation operation now. Like you said, Jeannie's way out of the bottle here. So I thought that was, that was really very interesting. We were kind of puzzled uh, about that situation, and it seems that, well, I mean, it didn't quite escape. So nobody's going to escape the way it looks.
0: Well, where is it? Greenland's doing pretty good. They only have 10 cases still. so. so. Lovely. <laughs> yeah. 10 cases and yeah, two recovered okay. already, so they only have eight active cases. So we got to make our... Yeah. <laughs> They'll let, to let <laughs> us in. We've we got to get to fucking Greenland. We should have bought Greenland after all. Apparently, <laughs> they got it figured out up there. Uh, oh,
1: Jesus yeah. Christ. That's another great plan. Um, yeah, all right. <laughs>
0: oh man
1: missed the opportunity
0: I know uh, I'll give the number out again. We haven't got any callers yet, so that's kind of a surprise but uh, people are used to me not to dissuading callers, but anyway six four six three seven eight eight uh, let me start over six four six three seven eight eighteen sixty eight if you wanna call in uh with questions, comments, um, you know, I'm trying not to be. I feel like I got increasingly dire on this show uh, over the last three weeks, but it hasn't been very promising. Um, have you, at the risk of, again, getting into politics too much, but I guess it's more of a social politics, like I – have you looked much at this – because the other big story of the week, aside from like this debate over whether or not we should just uh, suck it up and, and move forward and, and – <laughs> sacrifice uh one percent of the population in order to uh get over this is was this whole thing about the relief bill this was like a, you know, a week-long soap opera um i haven't really done it i mean the bill itself is like a huge thing so it's not even i i guarantee you that a good number of the politicians who voted for it only sort of know the bullet points themselves uh maybe their staffers read it um but do you have any thoughts on this relief bill thing? Do you think it's just more sort of like going through the motions to sort of like do our best to, to you know, put a Band-Aid on a bullet wound for now?
1: Well, I think, yes, they're absolutely going to go ahead and, and get some relief to people that, that very desperately need it. Uh, and that's all to the good. What I'm not sure about, and just like you, I, I have through this; It looks to be enormous is that based on its size and complexity, it's a lot more than taking care of people that need augmentation of unemployment insurance and maybe some cash sent to them. I just have this fear from past experience the complexity of this is a way to do special deals for specially favored people, and that that makes me nervous. If it was a fast, clean bill aid bill i think that would have gone through but these guys fought like cats and dogs over this so that makes me suspicious and maybe that's just you can go back and, and say well you know he's just a cynical um guy that you know has, has always sees the dark side and that's very true uh and but unfortunately <laughs> it's not without cause with our our leaders and so i i I don't have much trust Tim and, and the complexity makes me think that there's a lot of stuff buried in there uh where some people made out very well. and, and the rest of his compound sand. So we'll see.
0: Okay. Well we got uh, some I got some good news that broke uh that broke like at seven thirty PM tonight. So this is we'll we'll give people something positive here on the show. Uh Abbott, you know Abbott? Uh Oh yeah. Yeah. Some kind of yeah, okay. So they announced At 7.30 tonight, uh, they're launching a test that can detect COVID-19 in as little as five minutes, uh, bringing rapid testing to the front lines. Uh, It delivers positive results in five minutes, negative results in 13 minutes. Uh, They're going to deliver 50,000 tests a day uh, starting now, Uh, and they're hoping to ramp it up to five million. Uh, They're hoping to ramp it up. They'll be able to supply five million tests per month once uh, they they get it fully up and running so a rapid a a rapid response test has been developed um you know uh, you know won't won't really probably necessarily really saturate the system for another couple of weeks but uh you know that that's pretty key because before that there was so for some folks it was taking a day or two to get any results so
1: well you know a five minute test
0: was pretty huge
1: Oh, it's enormous. This is the so-called point-of-care patient bedside test. And so that would enable you to, to uh, test somebody and have reasonable confidence that the person doesn't have it. We're going to have to assume that it's a fairly sensitive and specific test. And I don't see any reason why that, that wouldn't be the case. But with that, uh, the healthcare practitioners would have a much better way to get people to the right line, so to speak. Because like, like yeah. oh, yeah, you're COVID, you have to be over here with all the people in gown, uh, you're uh, definitely just regular influenza or something other, so let's take you over someplace else. Uh, it could be huge to, to help keep our healthcare practitioners and all the support people healthy. And so this is really important. And I hope probably what they'll do is parcel it out to the, the hardest hit medical centers first, you know, as, as right, best they right. can and uh, that sounds great. Do you know what the what the nature of the test is? Did they talk about um, uh, ELISA, um, anything as to mechanism? Uh, let me see.
0: Uh, it's a molecular point-of-care test. Uh,
1: okay. It's probably uh, going to be. Yeah, I don't know. Just, I'll send it, it to you, be...
0: and I'll send you the link, and you can check it out. It's a mole- it's okay. molecular. I don't know if that means anything.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> but so, uh, it's, a, it's, it's good news. And from what I've gathered, it's good news.
1: If, if they're taking swabs, for example, from the nasal mucosa, they're probably going to look for virus parts. Uh, and that, that could be nucleic acid. It could uh, also be proteins. Uh, I'm going to guess nucleic acid. And the reason is because it's a lot easier to get those than it is to um, try to grow the virus. Uh, that, that's a hassle. So uh, yeah. but they could synthesize. They could actually synthesize uh, peptides from knowing the sequence. So there's a, of, there's a lot of flexibility. It'll be very interesting to see what the format they they hit on. Uh, and so it'll probably end up being read like a, a pregnancy test. One line, yes, two lines, or two lines, yes, one line, no, kind of thing. And, right, right. Uh, you give it a few minutes. It, and it sounds like this is a sort of a classic flow-through system where you put the serum at one end or sample at one end and it kind of flows through. That's why it takes five minutes and it'll have built-in controls, So they're pretty powerful. They're pretty good. And, uh, these labs are, are pretty good at making them. So this is a major step forward. How about that?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, so it's not all, it's not all necessarily doom and gloom here folks. Uh, you know, slowly but surely, they'll sort of get a handle on this. It's just, the, it's just all, the, all the difficulties in the meantime are what uh, is getting everybody down. You know what I mean?
1: Um, you know, we will it, get it. We will, we yeah. will ultimately, this will, this will end one way or the other. We hope that it ends with the, the least number of people injured and dead as possible. But one of the things to watch out for is for people to lose interest. And so let's just say that with the onset of summer that the the, uh, infections drop really low, we need to to get ready for the next onslaught. You know, we we, um, need to be prepared because, you know, the virus could come roaring back in very short order. And one of the the weaknesses that we have is if you remember the 2009 H1N1 pandemic, it wasn't as deadly as people had worried, but, with the flu we get really intense about it. You know, oh, we got to we got to come up with a universal vaccine. Oh, we got to put more money into this. And then we're good for about a month. And then they forget about it. This one we better not forget about. Because it it, it ain't dead yet. You know, we can't be sure it's dead yet. It's like the number Jason, you can't kill the boogeyman. Yeah, yeah. That's that's, that's what we're going to have here.
0: Well, I don't think people will soon forget about this. This is like a once in a lifetime, God willing uh experience you know it's just uh, like i was saying to somebody else uh yeah let's hope i mean you know these things well, could get me. worse and worse could be you know i've heard that kind of theory that like oh this is just the first there are going to be more of these blah 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 it's yeah. like i don't want I don't want
1: to even yeah, think about me. that i think right now i agree but uh, as somebody who has been playing the role of reese in the terminator for the last 10 years, I'm going to tell you, that roulette wheel has been spinning, okay? And and we've been lucky. We've dodged a couple, SARS and MERS and uh, uh, the H1N1 PDM uh, strain. There will be another. Count on it. There will be other. Yeah. And we just have to be ready for them.
0: Um, an update on my situation, because I know everyone's on the edge of their seat. So my... Yeah. My lockdown, <laughs> which began with. Well, it, it's an interesting sort of add a little diary aspect of this. It's like uh, I'm still on an intense lockdown right now. Uh, as we discussed, to get groceries is okay. So essentially, uh, what happened was Monday morning, uh, they had had uh, like a loose lockdown here in Massachusetts. So then Monday morning, the governor announced it, uh, a more. Uh, a more restricted lockdown, essentially, uh, more in line with what you're seeing like in California where it's like they uh, – everything uh, – non-essential businesses were all closed. So um, that sort of – I had kind of figured, okay, well, I can, I can hold out. I have family here too, so it's not just me. So it's like I can hold out – we can hold out for, you know, another I, – I thought we could hold out for like another week before needing to get – Groceries, but then when that was announced, it was like, "Oh shit!" So before the governor was even like finished with his uh, with his speech, I was already, I was already, I uh, you know, I was already suited up essentially <laughs> and on my way to the grocery store. So what I I didn't see too many people necessarily as as uh, committed to the cause as I was, but I mean, I wore rubber gloves. I wore a face mask. Uh, You know, I touched as little as possible. Uh, Fortunately, the the ripple hadn't really reached the population yet about the lockdown, so I kind of got ahead of everybody. So the grocery store actually wasn't that packed, and I essentially just bought two of everything that I wanted. You know, so it was like, all right, well, we're going to want, you know, American cheese. So instead of what we usually get, like a pound of American cheese, we're getting two pounds of American cheese. You know, set us. You know, we we'll get two packages yeah, sure. of steak tips. So sure. I didn't, I didn't clean out the thing. It was just like, all right, we'll just double up everything we buy. You know, so yeah. then I just, you know, stopped off at the liquor store to re, re to replenish oh. my stash, <laughs> and and that was it. So all told, it was probably like, you know, a half hour out into the into the wilderness, and that was like Monday morning. Here we are, Friday night. I think. You know, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, knock on wood, but it's been five days, so I feel like I probably, you know, did not bring the, bring it, and believe me, just the, the process of wiping everything, two of everything down was an all-day uh, project, but but yeah, that's kind of where I'm at, and, and so essentially, you know, I'm, I, my lockdown has been refreshed, and I'll probably now... Shit. I probably won't leave the house again till like sometime in April, I assume. I may have to run out for well, cigarettes, but I'll I'll buy a ton of those, but you know
1: <laughs> that you that's know, an even uh, quicker
0: trip. That's a fast trip to the gas station, so
1: what you gotta do for humanity is is also make sure in addition to the diary you have full photographic documentation of your your of efforts your face mask and gloves and everything as you venture out. Because <laughs> I would love to see that. But what what you're describing? I'll, next time is, I'll take a
0: picture for you.
1: Okay, uh, but anyway, what you're describing is is reasonable that you go out and you you get enough so that you don't have to go out every second day or third day for something. And when you bring the the stuff home, you you do take care to decontaminate, particularly like fresh fruits and things, you know, wash those in a little bit of soap and water because those have been handled, uh, you know, and and the packages and all that. Uh, One suggestion I heard is if it's something that you bring home and you could leave in the garage for a day, that might be sufficient for whatever viruses are to kind of peter out. Uh, and, and so all those things help, you know, but obviously you can't do that with uh, the fresh stuff and, uh, and meats and whatnot. So you have yeah. to wash off the packages and, uh, and be careful with those. Well, yeah, what you described is kind of the way to go, that you get enough. Um, not like you're going to be, you know, holed up for three months. Uh, get enough to last you for a while so that you don't have to go back. And, uh, you know, um, be cautious. Be cautious with it. So, I, I think you're making the right moves. I, I wish I could guarantee that that would leave you absolutely safe, but there is a, a randomness to this.
0: Yeah, no, I know. No, I totally get that. What's your situation? Uh, How locked down are you?
1: Uh, we are not. Uh, the, the schools are, are closed, uh, the, the cities are kind of issuing things like they've closed the bars and restaurants, they can have takeout. Uh the governor is in my opinion a little he says he's proactive, I disagree. Uh in terms of, of uh issuing a shelter in place order. Uh, he got pinned down by the the uh a news anchor today. It's like, Well, you know, what's it take for you to, to finally issue that? How many cases do you need? And he and he didn't say it in this you know, a really smart way, like, Well, how many bodies is it gonna take, governor, before you do something? Uh but that's where he yeah. was going. Uh, so we're, we're kind of intermediate in the total number of cases here are in the hundreds uh, across the state. So um, yes and no, the stores have been uh, pretty well cleaned out of toilet paper and, and stuff like that, but there is food, uh, you know, and, and we're still, uh, still functioning, uh, but I'm working from home and uh, uh, most of my colleagues are as well. So we're, we're uh, a little less than Massachusetts, uh, but definitely a lot more than nothing at all, so we're we're kind of in the middle ground. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, these these are things that we have to do. One one thing to keep in mind is, uh, I hope that the aid that for people who have lost their jobs comes quickly, because a lot of people don't have a reserve to go out and buy two weeks worth of food necessarily. You know, there are right, right. a lot more paycheck to paycheck than than some of us, and so. I hope that uh people get enough so that they and, and quickly enough so that they don't run into desperate situations. uh and the other thing I would say is don't pay cash if you can use your little cards that you put in and you take out so you're not exchanging cash you know back and forth with the cashiers especially right can.
0: yeah, I've heard that well here they've i don't know if how if it's like this in other parts of the country, maybe somebody in the chat room would know uh it happened after monday so i've only seen the pictures but they've added these it's really wild it's like again it's like what is just like you couldn't even imagine this world like a month ago it's that it's it's that uh bizarre but it's like they've added these big plastic partitions like when you go uh you know like when you buy a ticket uh, in the subway or whatever so it's like yeah yeah you put your gro- yeah. you put your groceries on the end of the of the runway of the little belt the conveyor belt and then there's this giant plastic wall until you get to the spot where you pay and then the cashier dude is like is kept or gal is kept uh safe behind this big plastic partition. It's really like oh, holy holy shit. This is this is yeah. uh this is wild, you know?
1: It might be very yeah, it's helpful. like a sneeze guard. It might be very helpful for the, the health of the people working at the stores. And, you know, it's one of those things that a lot of these jobs are, are not given high status, but we really need these people to be on the job and, and to stay healthy. And and so, uh, yeah, any little advantage you can give them is very important. I haven't seen that yet. Where where we are, we go to Safeway, and the last time I was there, they have the self-checkout, uh, which happened to be open, so we went through that. But uh, the young women who were attending, they were just right out there with us, right next to us. So I don't know how well that's going to work in the future, but I hope it's okay.
0: Yeah, Jim and Miriam in the chat room say some of the stores there uh, have adopted sort of these partitions too. Those are the kind of things that like five, ten years from now, we'll look back on. It's like – I was trying to explain this to somebody a while ago. It's like you know, like the little the little ticker at the bottom of the news channels, uh, yes. you know, The little scroll that has all the news. Yes. Like people don't may not remember or whatever, but like that was that was a product of nine eleven. Like when nine eleven happened, they added the little scroll so people could keep up with the news, and it just never went away. So, part of me wonders, like, okay, well, what kind of shit are we? <laughs> What, what kind of shit's just going to become de rigueur in the, in society after this? Like, is uh, like are they just not going to take these partitions down? Is that just how it's going to be from now on when you go to the grocery store that like the dude is or gal is uh, kept behind a a plastic part? Maybe that's just the way things are going to be now because people are, uh, you know, I think I think people are really going to be afraid of, of like 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 even if they open up, even if they're like okay, everybody you know, don't worry about anything, just we'll, we'll, open up, we'll open up the country as they keep saying, the country's open for business so, even if that happens like, people a good chunk of the population is going to be like yeah, I'm good I mean, that's how I'm <laughs> going to be if they're, if they're yeah. like, okay, you can come out now, I'm going to be like, yeah I think I'm going to stay here for just a little while longer, like a couple more weeks just to make sure that, so, even, you know you can't force, you can't sort of force this necessarily. Like people have to feel comfortable and safe and shit before, before this really starts to, uh, before the recovery really gets gets going.
1: This is the the overlooked factor. Uh, so we'll call it the banal observation here, that people have yet to kind of come to grips with is yes, you can declare it open for business, but there's a psychology here. And, and I think you're going to be proven right that the recovery will be very lengthy because a lot of people aren't going to come out until they're really sure that it's okay to come out. You know, or business is normal, or business as usual. So I think you, you hit on something here. We'll have to watch to see how it really, really unfolds. Uh, it, it may be, and this is what you really worry about, is once you lose jobs, once you lose business, it takes a while to get it back. You know, you spend all that time yeah. building it up. And then, it, you know, geez, do I have to shut this down? I mean, I appreciate the frustration. Uh, and then, the you know, the long haul back. And uh, unfortunately, some businesses may not be healthy enough to make it all the way back. Uh, yeah. It's going to be tough, Tim. I think you've really hit on something again.
0: Yeah. So this whole idea of, like, well, I think, uh, you know, Fauci said it best. He said, you know, that the virus decides the timetable. Like, we don't decide the timetable no matter how much we want to. Um, yes. Yeah. You know, so if they can get, I mean, best case scenario is they can they can develop the test we were talking about where people can, where we can know who's had it and who can kind of, you know, as dystopian as it sounds, like re-enter society. Um, you know, that, that, that may be like the best case scenario where at least we can start sort of getting uh, a working population into the, into you know, get the gears running again a little bit, you know?
1: You know but it's, even that it's, it's very touch and go. It's very important. If you think about uh, one of the things that, that I had heard in the news today is that uh, some warehouse employees uh, have uh, heard that uh, other employees have uh, tested positive or gotten ill. Uh, it would be very important if you could identify the, the folks uh, who actually really need to get out of the, the working situation right now for a couple of weeks, you know, and start stopping the, the inadvertent transmission or, uh, you know, uh, just knowing like, okay, yeah, you've had this. You're probably uh, bulletproof for a while against this agent. Really important. Yeah. So these fast tests, these antibody tests, they might be the thing that helps us really launch into uh, a more normal footing. But uh, I I personally believe, the steps towards normalcy and the time it takes to reach normalcy will be very protracted and and I hope that people are, are ready for this but we'll, we'll see
0: yeah, yeah, I mean it'll be interesting down the line to go back and listen to these shows we have because we're sort of like you know we're like a blind man in an orgy we're just sort of feeling our way
1: through this thing
0: and, and trying to get a handle on, on this enormous problem that has fallen on on to us, you know. So it'll it'll, uh, it'll be interesting to look back and see. But it's like I I can't recall. I mean, I just remember sort of like when we first talked. I don't know if we said the if I said this like on the show where it was like I, I think still people are still kind of eyeing like mid May at this point for like when I wouldn't even say like when things will turn around, but maybe when we'll start to have some kind of clarity on where we're at. You know, uh, at that point, like maybe maybe the end of April or something, where we'll sort of have an idea of where where this thing is going. Because they said that they made it sound like this, was like another two. I think I saw somewhere that like the models suggest we're like two or three weeks away from the peak, which is uh, which is you know pretty wild.
1: Yes, uh, and that also is very much geographic location dependent because not everybody started to sort of like get on the the train, if you want to think of it that way, at the same time. So uh, we're in for a protracted battle. Uh, The other thing to to keep in mind is uh, there are some situations that are going to be much more amenable to to coming back to normalcy quickly than others. And one of the things that we talked about is uh, places like Las Vegas that invite people in from all over the world and, and have sometimes pretty crowded situations, lots of mass entertainment. Might be a long time before they can really get going. Yeah, seriously,
0: right. I don't know how that. Yeah, changed. yeah. I don't
1: know. You know, this, this is going to be really hard. Is who's going to make the call? Uh, you know, who's going to say, well, "Let's open up Susan's Palace and start to have the the major featured entertainers and all that"? These are going to be very difficult calls to make, and uh, um, they could, they have great implications so uh we're we're going to have to come up with some new structures here, new ways of uh making decisions in, in areas that we're really not used to deciding about. It's going to be a challenge it, and it's not yeah, be for like sure. things... on... yeah go ahead. no, it's not going to be like okay, yeah uh, okay, uh here we go It's uh easter we're we're back i I don't see it that way, but please, guys, prove me wrong. I'd be delighted to be wrong on that. Yeah,
0: exactly. I mean, I I worry sometimes that we're too doom and gloom on this, uh, you know, in our conversation we've been having for the last, but I mean, folks, look, when we first talked two weeks ago, Tyler said 100,000 cases, and I was like, well, and and after the show, you said to me, you were like, that's pretty pessimistic, and I hope people don't, you know, (laughs) I hope people aren't like, oh, he's too, he was right, he was, he was right, we're sitting here at 100,000 cases, so, you know, uh, I don't the know. Week
1: before, I was wrong. <laughs> Remember, the week before, I was wrong. I said 10,000. What will we have? 15,000 when we came to, to air? Right. So, anyway.
0: Like, I, yeah. I I I mean, I wouldn't go so far, like we talked at the beginning of the show, like, I wouldn't go so far as to predict, like, we're going to hit a million next week. Uh, I don't think it's going to jump another ten, tenfold, but I certainly think we're going to be in the multiple hundreds of thousands, um, yeah,
1: I don't think we can. Know. I don't think we can hit a million, Tim, because I don't think the testing is adequate to support that at this right. stage. Uh, so I think we're still uh, underestimating, and I think we're seriously outpaced by uh, our cannot, uh well served by the slow uptake of testing, even though it's it's obviously much better. So we'll be we'll be behind the knowledge curve for a while on this. That's just this is how it is.
0: <clears throat> what else going on? So, yeah, we talked about Russia. We talked about the stimulus oh, I got, bill.
1: I've got, got one for you. Uh, yeah. I don't know if I sent you this on Twitter or not, but there was something put out by The Federalist, or at least the site yeah. that uh, uh, purports to be the TheFederalist.com, and they had a, uh, published an article about a controlled voluntary infection strategy to stop the pandemic. And that caught my eye. I marked it. i go through in the morning. i look at the, the news. And when I went back to look at it, basically Twitter had yanked it.
0: Yeah, Taking there was tons off. of pushback on that. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. And so, uh, you know, I don't know what their their standards are. Now, I, I'll just come out and say that I actually put on my blog something about this um, yesterday. I think their strategy is intriguing, eminently logical, but I think totally unworkable. And uh, that's that's my opinion. I give some of the reasons for that. But uh, you're probably. Like a chicken
0: po- sort of like a chicken pox party idea. That's exactly it.
1: And it, in fact, that's what they talk about. Now, I actually experienced when I was a kid, I don't remember chicken pox parties ever. But I do remember German measles parties, the rubella parties, back in the day. And this was in, oh, boy, the early 60s. We had a pandemic of rubella. Now, rubella, German measles, really rarely hurt any kid. It was a very mild disease, but it was a menace to the unborn child. So if mom got infected in the first trimester, disaster. I mean, you could you could yeah. have a miscarriage, but a lot of the kids had uh, cardiac defects, a profound hearing impairment, all kinds of damage. And the reason that the mom would get infected in the first trimester was was because rubella, the virus, was not particularly infectious. A lot of kids escaped, and when you had a pandemic, and a lot of, of moms around, the kids would bring it home from school, and then she would get it. So at the time. In the 60s, we had no vaccine. The virus was circulating widely and wildly. It was uncontrolled. It basically harmed almost no one, and the risk of getting it as a kid was pretty good. So it was thought the better strategy was when there was a diagnosis of rubella made that you brought all the kids together to get infected right then and there and get it done before mom got pregnant again. And, it, and that, was, that was a viable strategy. Since the advent of the vaccine, uh, MMR vaccine, uh, rubella, congenital rubella, is at a very, very low nader in the U.S. And so uh, now, you know, we don't hear about these things. The controlled voluntary infection strategy was the, the analogous idea. Well, let's do a chickenpox party or rubella party for covid and let's get people who are at low risk. And the first thing I would say is, okay, that's a great idea, but you tell me who's at low risk precisely. And it might come back to when they give me a number is you don't know that because as we're getting more experience, we're saying, yeah, yeah, the higher age limit levels, they are at higher risk, but this thing is hitting across the board. And so you don't know if that young adult is going to be fine well, they're going to get really sick, and that's one of the worries. The other thing is that you'll need millions, millions of volunteers. You have to get a diagnosed case, which we can get right now pretty easily. You'll need millions of people to decide to do this, and you'll have to support them. You'll have to keep them away from everybody else for at least two weeks while they go through the course of the disease. So the whole idea here is herd immunity. In a very patriotic approach I just don't think for a variety Of technical reasons That it's even close to being attainable I'm not sure I would have Booted it off of Twitter This is a really It really it kind of pushes The limit but you know people have The right to their opinions as well yeah. uh, But it was very interesting to see This thing just get yanked and create Quite a quite a controversy So anyway that's the The strangest thing
0: Yeah, it seems Uh, to me like the I'm not necessarily against the idea per se, but maybe it's something for maybe down the line, like
1: when that's another point when
0: the when when the medical system isn't completely overwhelmed, like if then then maybe you can do this kind of thing and um, you know and and sort of like like we were saying before, if this dies down in the if this dies down in the in the summertime and people uh and and, and the numbers go down and the medical systems are not as overwhelmed, yeah, maybe then give it a give it a shot. So you so we're ready for the next wave. Like, I wouldn't be against yep. that kind of thing, but, but doing it right now yep. is yep. like
1: <laughs> that's fucking crazy. Happen. No, you're gold star for Mr. Binal, okay? Because that is exactly it. This thing is ahead of us. We have to wait until the elephant passes through the snake of the medical system, the the patients that we have now. We can't handle this. We can't ethically handle this and subject people to danger and not be able to support them. We we think that it would probably be a reasonable number, but again, you don't know. And the patients don't know what they're signing signing on to. So yeah, you've hit one of the the problems right, square, dead on that, uh uh-uh, not now. Next time, you know, if we think we're really facing this, I don't think we can get together. Uh, the herd immunity. The, the other question is, what level of immunity in the population do we need in the nation of what 330 million? Uh, would that be 30 percent, 60 percent? You know, and how much is out there now? So we don't know. We don't have damn antibody tests. So we we need those bits of information to say, okay, yeah, here's where we are now. Here's our endpoint target. Let's say that's 100 million people. Good luck on that one. You know, but anyway, it's a thought. I don't think it's a high-quality thought, but it's a thought. Um, You know, people do strange things. Okay, now
0: I I got another question for you. This one's come up. See, this is the kind of thing, it's good we have this show. It's also a testament to how little we know because, like, all this stuff keeps coming up. There's a, apparently, there's a study in China suggesting that people with certain blood types may be more susceptible to the COVID 19 virus uh, it's going around on social media. Have you heard anything about this at all? I'm going to keep reading, but uh, in my uh, silently reading, but have you heard anything about this?
1: I have not, but we have seen such things with a number of other agents in the past, like cholera. Uh, and the mechanism is not always clear, you know, what it is about the blood type that uh, leads to these uh, sorts of susceptibilities. But we have seen such things, so it wouldn't really surprise me uh, to find out that a certain group subtype is uh, different than the others. Uh, again, that's a it's a complex phenotype, and so maybe it's telling us something about virus receptors, you know, or uh, sort of like propensity to in- inflammation, unclear. Yeah. Uh, so it's one of those things, just, just like you just said, you know, there's so many things we don't know. There are a lot of viable hypotheses and observations that are worth uh, checking out. Uh, I don't know if it would give us any actionable information, but it would be great if you knew, uh, oh, what's your blood type? Oh, yeah, go over here to the get ready pile, you know, as opposed to yeah, right. go home, well, you'll be fine.
0: Yeah, well, I think we'll see. Not just out of China, but here in America. I mean, we'll see all kinds of studies being done now. I mean, They're already being done in China, and they will start being more done here as well. The study here says they looked at the blood types of 2,173 patients from three hospitals and compared those blood types to the blood types of a group of approximately 3,500 people who are representative of the general population of Wuhan. What they found was that the percentage of people hospitalized uh, with COVID-19 who had blood type A was significantly higher than it was among the general population. So that was, okay. uh, according to the research, 32.16 of the population uh, has blood. Oh, that's has. Okay, let me get it here now. Yeah, it was about 37% blood type A, 25% blood type O. So it was kind of like there's about 12% really? more percent more chance. Uh, and, okay. and 41% of the deaths were type A. So it's it's slight, yeah. but, uh, you know. Yeah.
1: If you go through and you double the numbers, you don't even have to use statistics on that to recognize there's a a significant difference by something like a t-test. This one is, it's worth doing some more. You know, just like you said, that we can go ahead and and get the numbers. The thing that you have to watch out for is uh, getting a spurious sort of, uh, this really isn't a correlation, but a signal. And so if you get something with uh, 2,000 patients and you expand to 20, uh, you may not necessarily see the same thing. Uh, right. Smaller groups, and this, this is not a small group by any means. So I'd say, yeah, this, this is worth looking into. It, it, you know, I mean, This is uh, reasonable to go ahead and say, yeah, let's, let's delve into this further because uh, there might be something quite interesting here. And it might clue us into what, uh, what this virus is really doing. So uh, yeah, interesting.
0: Yeah, and the reaction to the study has been uh, cau—you know—expressing e- caution um, because it hasn't been peer-reviewed, which makes sense. I mean, it just came out, and it's hard. You know, I uh, imagine doing a study on all this is is more difficult than say your average sort of scientific study. Um, but, you know, that they, they say, you know, be cautious about it, but don't panic if you're blood type A or whatever, uh, you know, because it's just yeah, initial well, sort of initial research.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. The, the thing you have to keep in mind now with uh, the situation unfolding so fast is we want to get data out there as quickly as possible. And, and I'm going to guess this came off of BioArchive or someplace else. The uh, peer review is, is slow. It, it's going to take you a matter of weeks or months. Okay, if they really, really move fast, and sometimes they do, uh, a couple of weeks would be pretty quick. Uh, for a really, really hot paper in nature, maybe a week or a few days, but uh, it, it's, just, it's slower. So people are putting stuff on uh, bioarchive so it can be seen and commented on before it's been fully peer-reviewed. Uh, typically, people that look at, at the bioarchive are able to see any gross errors, but uh, there's nothing like somebody just going over it and taking it apart very, very carefully. That's that's what peer review is to be for. Uh, but just yeah. remember, you know, peer review does not mean without error. You know, it, it it's not quite the same thing. So. Yeah. Interesting. Um,
0: yeah, it said the study was posted on MedRxiv, which is an online archive yeah. for researchers Yeah. That's our archive. Post, yeah. So. Yeah. Yep. So
1: that's uh, that's a. That's a Preprint, they call it. So it it hasn't gone through peer review, but it, it's it's basically what they're going to submit, and then people can make comments on it. So if you see an error, like they they made a math error or something, you can you can basically write down the equivalent of, of dude, you didn't add this up right, and uh, and yeah. they can take action at that point. So um, pretty good, you know. I mean, I, I like Bioarchive uh, because it's. It's quick, but also uh, at least people are warning you, you know, and not peer reviewed. Uh, but again, maybe get some important data out there much quicker than it would otherwise.
0: Um, yeah. And a follow up. We'll kind of try and go through our messages from the week just to see if there's anything we might've missed. Uh, yeah. That, uh, this is March 25th, a couple of days ago. Putin declared uh, next week, a non-working week in Russia to, splo- to slow the spread of coronavirus and postpones next month's national vote on constitutional amendments. Um, so yeah, so they they clearly uh, they don't have a laissez fair attitude about it over there. Like uh, before, nope. it was like we were talking about it last week. It was like, what the hell's going on over there? How do they have no? So apparently they're they're at least they're at least aware that there's this virus out there and shit.
1: Yeah, that sounds favorable for the average person in Russia. Yes.
0: Yes, thank you. Um, All right, well, we're in the home stretch now. Nobody called in. I'm kind of surprised uh, after last week's – where were you, Carol? I really liked talking to Carol Rainey last week. She was great. Um, So if you're listening to this now, uh, later in the weekend or on Monday, uh, first of all, I should say, you know, if people want this stuff right away, uh, I like to try and be off the computer because I'm on the computer all day, every day, Monday through Friday. So I try to, you know, your, your, your best chance you're going to get of me posting the episode unless I feel really ambitious is like Saturday morning or Sunday night or Monday morning. So if you're if you're chomping, and, and in some cases, some of this stuff, especially those earlier episodes, you know, the the news is like. <laughs> We're already, like, two days behind the news if you're listening to it too late. So I guess the point I'm trying to make is there's all these links to the blog talk site. It's the same show. All I do is grab it from there and put it on the podcast feed. So if, you, if you're if you really antsy to listen, go to uh, go to the blog talk link where we have the live show, and it's archived there, uh, you know, up until we post it on the thing. Now, last week we kind of said that this week was going to be when shit got real, and it certainly felt that way. Um, you know, especially in light of the numbers and everything. And, uh, you know, it was, we've been saying for a while, we're like a couple of weeks behind it, Italy, where we're almost at the point now where, uh, what was going on in Italy started to freak out the rest of the world. So, uh, you know, I think we, I think we crossed like 100 deaths a day at the start of the week. And today there were 400 deaths. So, it's uh certainly worrisome and it, and if if this past week was the week that shit got real, there's a good chance like that next week people are really gonna really gonna freak out, especially if these numbers uh keep escalating the way they look to be. so you know folks be on be on guard for that uh be be mentally prepared for you know what could be a really fucking series of grim uh news days. And if you you know, if you don't believe in any of this shit and you raise your fist at the media for you know, well that's all well and good and I can respect your point of view, but this this is the the hand we've been dealt. So um if hundreds and thousands of people are dying every day, we're gonna be hearing about it um, you know, soon in the neck over the next few days. So steal steal your steal your gird your loins. That's the expression. Gird your loins. <laughs> Right, Tyler.
1: Yeah, yeah, and prepare for um, one or the other. Okay, New York City probably be the first and worst to to start with, but it will not be the only one. And uh, I just don't know how people are going to react as, as we have one, cat, you know, catastrophic situation after another emerge. Uh, all we can do is hope that uh, measures have been in, put in place that uh, dampen this down, that we, we really do succeed in flattening the curve because now it all hinges on how well that actually did, how much uh, we managed to slow this down as opposed to how much capacity we have to save and salvage people medically. But the virus and herd immunity is coming, Tim, okay? We're not going to stop that. We're not going yeah. to contain this thing. It's only how many uh, people are going to get hurt by it that—that's the only question we have now. So right, exactly. Prepare for the long haul. Gird your loins for the long haul.
0: Right, right. But you did—you did sort of make a point in a sense too, where it's like there is, you know, I don't want people to get too hopeful, but you know, we can hopefully. So maybe next week, maybe a week after that, depending on you know how much of the population started taking this seriously and when, we maybe will see that not necessarily the curve flattened, but we'll see that that uh, trajectory sort of start to change where we can maybe see, the, you know, as I used the illusion before, uh, going on a roller coaster. Maybe we'll be able to possibly think we can see the peak. You know, maybe, yeah. maybe. I guess the point is maybe we'll start to see somewhere in the data some indication that this the sheltering in place is working. You know. Um,
1: it, yeah, it could be, it, and let's hope. So we'll uh, uh, yeah, first you know. see the indication where we'll we'll first get an indication of how well it has worked is maybe in a place like New York City where we, we find out, like, you know, maybe we, we have just about enough ventilators, you know, that, that, that we're, we're holding steady, we're not overrun. And so let's yeah. hope that, you know, we, we do that. Because if we can flatten the curve just enough, just enough to support the really sick people, we will have accomplished something. So, you know, if you're going to pray for anything, pray for that. And, uh, and maybe it will happen. I hope it does that's all we can have now is hope.
0: Yeah, exactly, you know. So there could be you know, there, there could be some you know, it's not all doom and gloom, folks. Like we talked about this last week, like we're going to you know, uh we're going to make it through this. This is like a temporary, you know, it could be a very long temporary situation, but like, you know, life life will go on. We'll we will survive this. Uh, It's going to be, you know, it's an incredibly uncomfortable situation right now for a lot of people, and it's very, for even, you know, for a considerable amount of people, it's extremely worrisome and frightening. They lost their jobs, and, you know, they, uh, or they're afraid, or they're, you know, in the target demographic, and they're afraid they're going to get sick. So it's, you know, it's terrifying for a lot of people. I totally understand that. Um, You know, I'm worried, but, but you know, you have to keep, you know, you have to remember that like we we'll, we we'll, we'll get through this you know we're going to be all right and uh you know we'll be probably changed as a nation and as a people and as a culture maybe for the better we talked about that last week maybe you know maybe this will be a wake up call for humanity or something you know but at the end of the day uh you know we'll get through this this crisis like we do everything else so um yes. you know do not despair
1: no keep rowing the boat you know, do the right things.
0: Exactly. Keep rowing the boat. All right. Well, on that note, we'll uh we'll uh we'll call it a week here. I think if you're unless you got something planned, I'd be down to do another one next week. Okay with me. all right. All right. Yeah, well we'll see. Part of me, yeah. There's a part of me that's like
1: <laughs> I know. Like I, know. I understand.
0: You know, <laughs> but as I said, I don't know if you heard the. Well, I told you this before the show started last week, but uh, I said this uh, at the end of the show last week. It's like this: this show we're doing is sort of like the only, the only thing I can control in this crazy story. So I really appreciate you joining me. You know, riding, riding shotgun with me on this, man. You're not. You're, you're essentially the co-host of this show now. So. Um you know, and and it's like, I didn't want to do a (laughs) I didn't want to do a coronavirus thing but, a podcast, but to me it's like, I can't, this thing has its its hooks in me like it has it in the rest of the world, and this is the only place where I have any control over what the fuck is going on, man (laughs) so
1: yeah, I hear you, I hear you
0: you know and uh, yeah, so that's about it, well folks oh yeah, when I was plugging the the blog talk link also, so I'm telling you folks now, so if you're listening to this, and you've been enjoying it, and you want to call in, you know, uh, I don't encourage call-ins on any other incarnation of BOA, but this is sort of like a very different thing that we're doing here, and, uh, and people, you know, sometimes people just need somebody to talk to, or, or they have questions, you know, or they have comments, or whatever, so, you know, call in, uh, Call in next Friday night if you want uh, while we're doing the show. We'd be happy to take your call. Um, and on that note, uh, we'll wrap it up here. Thanks again, Tyler. I'll talk to you next week and, uh, you know, be safe. And hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully we'll have some good news next week. Uh, some silver lining in all this that we can, that we can uh, you know, focus on a little bit more.
1: Yeah. Stay safe.
0: All right.